Is that recording? It tells me it is recording. Excellent. So how's how's life in um, how's life in Annan? Oh, good. Yeah, we've just uh, I just did a, a cluster meeting at lunchtime, um, and actually things are getting a bit tough. You know, we've got a couple of practices that are struggling. They've got people self isolating because they've been in contact with COVID, and it's pretty challenging actually. This is the Snug Podcast. In this episode, the challenges we face. Practices need to just double check that they have all of their remote access facilities up and running as we move into the winter. Influence is not just about strategy, it's also just about what people do on a day-to-day basis with their IT. Hello there, welcome to another podcast from the Scottish National GP IT Users Group. I'm Andrew McElhinney and I am a GP in NHS Forth Valley. How are things for you? There may be trouble ahead But while there's moonlight and music and love and romance Let's face the music and dance So in our practice at the moment it does feel pretty busy as we try to meet the needs of our patients, carry out flu jabs, deal with increasing hospital waiting times and also we're picking up more cases of coronavirus which seems to be surging again. So, more than ever now, we rely on our technology to help us deliver healthcare. Today, we're reflecting along with our chairman of many years, Dr Neil Kelly, about how he's finding things at the moment. Can SNUG have a voice in how our clinical systems work for us during this time? Can they be developed? And also, some of his thoughts on how we can support ourselves, our colleagues, and you, the system users. Neil has been a great stalwart of SNUG over many years, and apart from tapping into his knowledge and experience, I did try to unearth some of his darkest secrets. You can see how we got on. Well, anyway, here we are together in a podcast for the first time. I know, I, I was sort of reflecting on uh, uh, how um, uh, much we have uh, scraped the barrel this time around when it's resorted to us interviewing each other. So we're, we're talking to ourselves. Um, so we're, we're finally going mad. That must be it. Well, indeed, there's something sort of slightly schizophrenic about it all. Trying to do too many things at uh, at once makes just finding the time to speak to people quite difficult at the moment, and everybody's busy. Yeah, but no, I certainly appreciate all the people that have spoken to us so far. We're now up to 16 podcasts. I know, that's great, isn't it? You know, who would have imagined that uh, when we first had the nugget of an idea that we'd actually find enough to talk about for 16 podcasts? And we still have ideas, which is good. Yes, and it's it's been great fun kind of speaking to people as well, I think, you know, and just going over what's happening in GPIT. Um, what, what do you think are the most important topics we've covered? Um, well, like you, I mean, I've really enjoyed just talking to people about their experiences and about the things that they have to offer in terms of supporting users, supporting practices. Uh, and of course, um, it's really important that, that, that as a user group, we, we, we try to find um, the nuggets that will actually help people do their job. I mean, 
but I, I suppose if I was to pick out one that I've, I've enjoyed particularly, I thought your chat with James McCormick was really uh, fascinating. Uh, uh, it wasn't something I was particularly aware of. And I just, you know, gosh, you know, that dose response curve stuff, it really makes you think. And uh, I mean, I've always been uh, miserable um, when anybody's wanted um, prescriptions for me. I never give anybody anything, but uh, I felt vindicated at last, really. <laughs> Yes, well, his videos are really good. I think uh, it was it was fun. So so now I, I have the chance to talk to you, which is great because I'll be able to ask you some nosy questions, you know, like you always do to everyone else. That's part of the fun, just getting getting under their skin a little bit. <laughs> so we can get onto your secret vices in, in a little while. Um, we, we did debate whether to do this in a sort of Paxman style, but then you, you said you'd rather prefer the sort of Fox News approach. Uh, well, yes, uh, either either will do. Uh, I'm not sure I have uh, um, presidential aspirations. And uh, Jeremy Paxman always makes me squirm. But, um... All right, yes. And I think in Spitting Image, did he not explode or something? So I, I, I better not do that. Um, but anyway, I guess let me just start by saying what a great job you've done as chairman of, of Snug over all these years. Uh, I've enjoyed it, really. Uh, you know, it's brought me into contact with, you know, so many interesting folk and you know people who really um have had the best interests of scottish gpit at heart you know um it's been a great network um and still is you know i mean there uh, there are uh, lots of, of us out there who are still um very much involved although increasingly with gray hairs or balding bits and and uh, one of my concerns i suppose is how we really engage with that younger cohort of people working in practice at the moment because um, it, it would be a disaster if they didn't feel that snug was relevant to them I suspect yeah have you have you have you got a favorite snug anecdote that you can you can sh- share without risking litigation I mean the, the you know having having done this job for a while there are all sort of things that happen things that go wrong you know my your 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 slides don't appear when you want them to or um, you know too too many late nights spent in bars at conferences probably <laughs> um i can remember being at, at we used to, to do the shared conference with with skimp uh, in at the creef hydro and um, of course we always had to share the facility with um usually a fairly aging population of folk who were uh, they're still under the misapprehension that it actually had hydropathic facilities i think and i remember <laughs> i could remember one uh, rather aged gentleman um, asking me um, how he could possibly join this um, group called Skimpy and Snog um, because he thought it sounded rather fun. But he, cl- he clearly hadn't had his cataract sorted, I suspect. <laughs> I, I guess we better stop there, but we, you know, maybe maybe you can give us some more later on. Um, you, so obviously, you get to go to a lot of meetings. I mean, I remember this well. You know, in the days of of of, of when I had to do the job for the National GPAS Users Group, and I only did three years, unlike you. Um, but it, but it seemed like an endless circuit of of committees and and papers to read and emails, and it could be pretty demanding. How do, how does it all sit with your other work? Um, well, sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. And, uh, you know, you, you do spend your time juggling, um, well, certainly juggling emails. Email there is an absolute killer, really. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, I would always view myself first and foremost as a GP and still do, uh, you know, a significant amount of clinical work in the practice. Um the way we're set up here, I'm very lucky. I've got very um, tolerant partners and, you know, we have 
ANPs and all of these additional staff members who make it possible to juggle the workload and and and, and fit things in around about. Um, we have we've been a training practice in fact the first time I ever met you Andrew was when we were both learning how to be trainers in Dunblane Hydro goodness knows how long ago but um, uh, and we've continued to to train ever since really and we've got foundation year two doctors and uh, ST1s and ST3s uh, and now um, Scott Gem students as well um, in the practice from the graduate entry medical school in, in uh, St Andrews and Dundee and so we have all of these trainees who require supervision and so um, generally if it's your task to supervise them you don't you don't actually have patients to see um, and if it's a quiet day for them then actually you have time to, to catch up with different stuff so just fitting stuff around but like you i guess you're I, I still take stuff home and it doesn't go down very well yeah yeah it's um a necessary evil sometimes i guess um but but snug is important and, and clinical representation is important you know and um we're the actual ones who use all these systems um and we know what the issues and problems are um so i just wondered how much real influence do you think you know, yourself, David Cooper, as chairs of SNUG, actually have in, in influencing decisions, you know, on these groups? It's a very difficult question to answer. How do you, how do you measure influence? Um, I, I guess I sort of start out from the premise that you've, you've got to be in it to win it, so to speak. Uh, you know, if, if you're not there, you're never going to have any influence. And I suspect that, you know, in terms of our involvement um, in, in some of the sort of strategic stuff, particularly, they do like to have that clinical input because I think some of the guys who are involved, particularly nationally, at, uh, you know, developing strategy or, or running IT departments, are quite removed in many ways from the face-to-face, day-to-day work of primary care uh, and indeed acute care uh, as well. Um, I, I mean, I, I think that particularly with some of the big projects, so you know, things like the reprovisioning project. Um, because they need to have a clinical focus, they, they do tend to listen. Um, and, you know, there, there have been occasions when I think, you know, we have actually have, have actually made a, 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 an impact. I, I think there are other times when you feel, oh, I don't know, so in, in big groups like the Clinical Change Leadership Group, um, you know, obviously we are, we're up against a fairly powerful lobby from the acute sector and from other um, special health boards and keeping the primary care end of that up is is quite difficult at times i, I sense but um but you've 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 been there you you know you know what it's like and you know so you you talked to andrew um last time about some of the stuff around the contract and standards particularly and i think that certainly as a user group, we were we were directly involved in those discussions and recognising the real importance of 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 levelling up as far as possible for practices so that they have the tools to be able to to do the job. I mean, I think we always have to come back to our sort of roots and remember that influence is not just about strategy; it's also just about what people do on a day to day basis with their IT. And I, I I would hope also that you know Snug has a role just in terms of supporting users you know through conferences through videos through kind of hot tips through searches or templates um websites all of that stuff again it's quite difficult to quantify but uh, i i sense if, if we're not there providing that sort of facility that 
probably nobody else would do it really. And certainly Alex's view, Alex DeFranco, who 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 we all know well, um, you know, she she gets a lot of queries um, from practices about how they might do stuff, or, or and and obviously we all um, chip in and provide feedback. But there is a sense in terms of influence, you know. It's one of those scenarios, the older I get, the better I was. <laughs> Surely you're getting better and better all the time. Well, I don't know. It's just hard to tell, really, hard to tell. So, I mean, heading into an uncertain winter, let's say, um, you know, what do you think is the most important thing for, for general practice and IT? You know, we've obviously had, had to prioritise things, maybe like remote access, webcams, meeting virtually. Um, what, what do you sense are the important things, you know, going into the winter? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting question. I suspect that, you know, we've seen tremendous um, change over the course of the last six months, just, you know, in, in terms of supporting work around COVID. And, and obviously all of that just needs to carry on and be consolidated. I suspect the biggest issue as we move into the winter, particularly with COVID being around, is is the risk for practices having to close because people either become infected or are having to self-isolate and therefore not there to do the to, to do the work or at least doing the work remotely. So I suspect that practices need to just double check that they have all of their um, remote access facilities up up and running and actually um, you know that the, all their passwords are there for people to use if they need to. That um, their 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 business continuity plans, if you like, are are, are kind of robust. But I think there's also something very human in all of this um, beyond the IT, just about how we use all of that to support each other. Um, you know, just keeping safe. You know, encouraging people to be vigilant. Um, and actually looking after ourselves, you know, not feeling that we have to spend 12 hours a day in front of a screen. Um, that, that, that can't be good for anybody, really. It's that, it's that, um, that Covey thing, you know, the um, Stephen Covey seven habits thing, sharpening the saw. Um, I'm going to switch that pinging off. Um, so, yeah, you know, keep, keep look, looking after ourselves, I guess, is, is, is really important in all of this because, uh, we we are in this for the for the long haul, I suspect. I guess the sense I have with IT is that there's a lot of talk from management about change and moving to clouds, and we've seen that with Office 365 and 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 um, to some extent with the new systems. And and there's a lot of talk about you know what's going to come around the corner. But yeah, I just think at this time, particularly, it's essential for us to have stuff that works and that we don't rock the boat too much. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's a it's a jam today and uh, several pots of jam tomorrow, which seem rather a long way off. I think, uh, which is disappointing. But that's where we are. Which kind of brings me on to GPIT reprovisioning. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to talk a little about it because we, we did cover that on a very early podcast. You you talked to Robert uh, Hutton, yeah, and it was actually seemed to be listened to, you know, quite quite a lot of times and. This program's been rumbling on for five years, is it? And, and every board keeps having to extend their existing arrangements and the systems get increasingly old. What's the latest news that you have? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, if, if you told me four or five years ago, Andrew, that um, uh, we would still, uh, from where we're standing now, have another year to the delivery of uh, new systems, I would have said, well, you need a new process in that case. 
I, you know, I, I think that we have been hamstrung by um, by procedure and process in a way that um, has has caused us a lot of delay. But it was it, these these procedures and processes are dictated by rules that are well out with our control. So yeah, things are delayed and and disappointingly so. Obviously, the the reprovisioning team are doing a great job trying to keep it on track and working really hard with the suppliers to answer their questions about the specification and and trying to give them clarification and negotiating to a degree around what you know what's reasonable. I mean, part of the difficulty, of course, is that the, the landscape that we're working in is different now than it was four years ago, and so actually our needs and requirements have changed a bit and and there's not that there, there's a limited scope um within the process to allow us to, to to change some of that anyway the suppliers have reported to us um at the beginning of september their sort of timelines um vision look like they're doing reasonably well although again delayed and they're not likely to be delivering anything much before summer next year 2021 they're going through a process of code drops um, and the the subject matter experts are kind of looking at those and answering any queries. Um, and then into the new year, they'll get onto some formal testing and, and hopefully um, with sign off, be ready to deliver in 2021. EMIS, um, having initially gone out of the stocks, um, thinking that they were going to deliver EMIS X to Scotland, I think looked at what was actually required to be able to do that and had a bit of a wobble um, and have come back with a revised plan. So EMIS X is still ultimately the the long-term plan, um, but EMIS Web will be modified to suit the Scottish market. Um, the consequence of that is um, a, fur- a further delay again for, for, for EMIS and they're looking like um, summer 2022. So a year after the vision um, products available, um, and then the the wild card in all of this has been Microtest, um, who are now calling themselves Eva, having been taken over by a, another organisation. Um, interestingly, Snug had a, a, a Teams meeting with them a couple of months ago, just to try and find out where they were at, and you know to offer some user-based support for Scotland uh, and they were very keen to work with us on that and you know just to try and understand what some of our needs are um, but again they've got a long way to go just in terms of um, of developing a product um, and again they're talking summer 2022 so yeah, it all seems seems a long way off but um, we are where we are we have to try and keep the existing systems afloat and um, Certainly through the change advisory board work that we do, um, you know, we're keen to try and ensure that that happens. And uh, and obviously, if there are things that need to be changed in the interim, well, you know, we have a mechanism to be able to do that still. It hasn't gone away, um, although there is a degree of reluctance um, in suppliers to invest a lot of time and effort in developing legacy systems effectively. They do need to be fit for purpose. Um, and, you know, there are all sorts of issues around the need to upgrade operating systems and uh, and uh, um, desktop operating systems particularly you know we need to to, to move on and, and and just getting those old systems to work on on new platforms is sometimes quite difficult 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, I suppose given what I said about potential disruption and changing systems, you know, over the next little while, I guess I might be a user who is fairly content just to stick put with what I've got if it's working. I, I just wondered, are you personally keen to get a new system in your practice? Um, that sounds a bit like sort of turkeys voting for Christmas, really, doesn't it? You know, oh, yeah, let's have a new system. It's, you know, my experience of system change over the course of my life in general practice has always been fantastic. He lies. Um, on the one hand, we absolutely realize that what we're working with now is, I don't know, the you know, the code is 12 plus years old. The systems are creaking. We've got this limited development opportunity my sense is that that we're quite vulnerable and you know these are mission critical tools if they start to break then we are absolutely goosed so absolutely bring it on you know i I can't afford the risk for my practice to fall down around my ears because my it breaks Hmm. Uh, but as i said yes i mean any any change of of operate of of um, computer system is invariably a painful experience um and you know, it's it's disruptive, and um, so and I think the degree of technical change in terms of the move from where we are to where we're going to to these cloud-based solutions and so on, that's that's you know, it's, it's a massively different approach to to, to delivering the service. And um, uh, even if you stick with the same supplier, I suspect it's going to be hugely different. And so the implementation and training through all of that will be will be very challenging um and you know that it does create a real opportunity for a user group actually you know to really engage with suppliers in terms of finding ways to support how users can get the best out of systems and using opportunities on our networks to you know to give people the best support possible and i suppose it's a new world in general practice isn't it because there's all these new team members we have we've got pharmacists ANPs more people in the practice all the time. Is, is there a place in Snug for these new multidisciplinary team members? Um, I would hope so. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, I think we have to sort of reflect on where Snug has come from and where it's going to, really. Um, you know, I we've never been a static organisation. We've always evolved and, and moved from the days of being the GPASS users group when it was very much a single system uh, and we were a group to support there to support GPs, you know, through inclusion of practice managers and practice nurses, and then evolved into looking at much wider um, uh, aspects of GPIT through, you know, things like Dotman, Sky Gateway, um, and and you know, then obviously being asked to provide user input into all of these big programs, you know, strategy development for for Scottish government, um, reprovisioning. Uh, GP to GP, you know, key information summary. There's a whole range of things that, that, that Snug have got involved in, and this. So this is just the next episode for me, really. You know, that that we've got this extended multidisciplinary team, and we need to make sure that the tools that we have um, support their their work on a day to day basis. You know that. There is a sense that, that the tools we have at the moment are, in a way, inhibiting their ability to do their job sometimes because they can't get access to the stuff they need or they can't record stuff easily. Um, and we need to make sure that um, the functioning of the totality of general practice as it integrates with primary care 
is is well served by 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 its IT and you know that's about that whole remote access thing about making sure that user identity is works in a way that gives them appropriate access and um, so there's a whole lot of stuff around the the particular the new contract yeah and I, th- I think different users can have different ideas can't they you know about what they want from systems you know so it is good to get that you know extra fresh approach I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I I suppose my 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 slight caveat and all of that is is time is so precious now, and all of these people are busy. We're all busy, and you know, just getting people to be involved and give us their opinion and 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 actually try and um, you know support a wider network of, of of users is going to be increasingly challenging. And I I suspect that's one of the reasons why younger general practitioners particularly struggle to get involved you know they're just we're just all so busy really yeah okay so snug virtual conference coming up in two weeks um you want to do a quick commercial (laughs) yeah it's a it's a great opportunity isn't it i mean heavens above we've been using teams fairly extensively over the last six months haven't we and uh, uh, so here we go snug uh, coming to you through the waves of 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 teams i mean uh the snug conferences have always been a great way of sharing what we do, sharing ideas, sharing thoughts, and now is no different. We just have to use a different medium because of the times we're in, and you know the the the, the things that that we've got out there for people to to dip into around date quality. Obviously, the reprovisioning things, big deal. Stuff about prescribing Office three six five. Um, how do we use you know um, computers? Uh, it, in terms of our interface with the public, um, some some snippets around GP to GP. So there's a whole range of different things. And um, I suppose the real beauty of doing it through Teams is that um, people can register and they can dip in and out. They don't have to be there the whole day. Whereas if you come to a conference, you're kind of there for the whole day. Now, some people might think that's great because you get free lunch. Sorry, no free lunch. But um, I, I think the accessibility will be, it'll be interesting to see the feedback on that, I, I suspect. Um, obviously, we're going to record it all, um, and uh, we'll make those recordings available either through Teams or or through the Snug website, um, depending on how, how that works out. People can still register; uh, it's free. The, we used to charge a registration fee for the conference um, uh, when we were holding it in a in a in a facility because there were facility charges that we needed to cover but uh, with this it's online it's so it's dead easy so yeah we just go to the snug website and uh, um, snughealth.org.uk and uh, links there to to register if you if you if you want to do it yeah that's great and uh, we'll try and do some highlights maybe make a, a another podcast and we can put together what's um what's been discussed uh, we'll see about that so so neil um we've, we've we've probably kept you long enough now um just imagine imagine a, a coronavirus free world next year where you're allowed to go on the summer holiday of your dreams can i ask would you be heading down route 66 in your harley davidson or would you be kayaking down a norwegian fjord uh, oh my god my only experience of motorbikes was uh when I had a summer holiday job working on a ranch in America and I fell, fell off it on at least three occasions while I was there. So not <laughs> motorbikes. Um, I, I've always had a hankering for South Africa. It's on my on my bucket list um, for, for two reasons, I guess. I'd really like to go and uh, have a look at the big uh, game parks. Uh, and of course, um, I, I feel the need to visit Stellenbosch while I'm there. 
I think like many during coronavirus, I've developed an unhealthy uh, um, uh, uh, relationship with fermented grape juice. Um, yeah, I, I I regularly do trips to to to, to France to to visit the uh, the vineyards. Um, I have I have a problem with garden centres and and uh, and plants. Um, um, and at the moment, I I have uh, an obsessional relationship with uh, marine quality outdoor light fittings because I'm in the middle of building a house right next to the sea and I have to choose light fittings that are not going to rot with the salt for outside. Trying to find decent ones is really quite difficult at the moment because supplies for all sorts of things is a, is a nightmare. Wow, we just uh, have to wish you all the best with that and I hope that Stellenbosch is not too far away. Uh, well, it's about as far as majestic at the moment. <laughs> Neil, thank you very much. You've been very good with your time and um, look forward to the virtual conference. Always a pleasure. And maybe I get to turn the uh, tables on you next time, Andrew, when we're <laughs> running out of material. <laughs> uh, well, we'll have to be really scraping the barrel then, I think. <laughs> oh, not at all. All right, then all the best. I'll see you soon. Yep, take care. Thanks a lot. So we didn't actually get around to talking about Neil's favourite conspiracy theories or if he's a Democrat or Republican. We might need to hire Jeremy Paxman for the next time. Hopefully see you at the Snug Virtual Conference coming up on November the 10th. Check the Snug website for details. Bye. But while there's moonlight and music and love and romance, let's face the music and dance.